following is a presentation of Cover Your Assets and is offered by Rooker Financial Coaching and Consulting. You're trying to build your income, your business, your life. Challenges are all around you. It seems so overwhelming. People are depending on you. Who do you listen to? Where can you go to find honest, useful information? Todd Rooker. For decades, Todd Rooker has been teaching professional education to attorneys, CPAs, bankers, and financial advisors. Rooker Financial Consulting offers advice and coaching to consumers, business owners, and financial professionals on every topic imaginable. If you truly want to succeed, sit back and find out how to cover and build your assets. Here's nationally renowned speaker and expert getting you on the path to financial strength and wealth, Todd Rooker. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cover Your Assets, another adventuresome (laughs) endeavor into the investing world, or maybe abyss. (laughs) Uh, All of you who listen to this show uh, on a semi or regular basis, I want you to know how much I appreciate it. I hope I hope some of my banter and rhetoric and repeating myself, excruciating as it is for me to listen to myself over and over again, uh, is 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 palatable, and, and yet you can still get some of the value out of what I'm saying, even if I don't do it well, forgive me. <laughs> so, so today's show is going to be titled, Evan, here it is, The Evolution of a Real Estate Investor. The Evolution of a Real Estate Investor. Now, for most, you'll never be a real estate investor of any sort. Um, But last week I talked about, you know, starting a business, becoming your own boss, even if it's a side hustle and and you've got a a solid, stable day job with income, you're going to do something in addition to that because your goal ultimately is to earn more money than it takes you to have a reasonable life. And with that additional money, just in the way that we talked about on last week's show, which was to find the leverage and find the leverage means of the thing I'm going to do and the resources that I have to work with. How do I make the most money with those resources? How do I make the most money for time spent when I'm engaged in it, you know, per hour, per minute, whatever. Well, the whole goal in talking with you in that way for those of you who have the the gumption to do it, is that I'll have more money left over, funds, uh, than what it takes me to have a reasonable life. And I have the ability to manage that uh, and not spend it on more lifestyle. And, you know, I, I, I probably neglected to say last week that one of the really big challenges for people who do do a an additional income earning endeavor, side job, hustle, whatever, is that when they do that, then they want to reward themselves or if they're married or have children, their families for that hard work. So now they have less time to enjoy lifestyle because they're trying to make more money on top of their 40 hour a week or whatever it is. So what do they do with it? Well, now they want to reward everybody to show everybody, including themselves, how 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 what they're doing is a good thing. And now they spend all that money on their lifestyle. And now they didn't earn more money than it costs to support their lifestyle. And it accomplishes zero, <laughs> zero. Uh, but to the rest of the world, if you have a good life or a good lifestyle and you're able to have a nice car and travel and go fishing or whatever, 
that that is it. That's where it ends. So they're not to the rest of the world. They'll be impressed by that. I won't be. Uh, but <clears throat> that's you know it, it, yeah. I say all the time. If, if your primary asset is your house, if it's all about your house, it's all about doing stuff to your house, you're not doing very well, okay? I stood up at my business networking meeting and I said, if your net worth, assets minus liabilities equals, which is how you measure yourself, if you make $300,000 a year, that is not how you measure your financial wealth, but it is to all the other dum-dums who don't do this either. The way you measure it is this, how much do I own assets, how much do I owe What's left after I do that math? Whatever that is, that's your net worth. And you do not include your house or your retirement account in that. Listen to that. Oh, that's ridiculous. What is a retirement account if it's not investing? Uh, a retirement account is safe, secure, watered down, average of the highs and the lows, and you're never going to get rich, or at least very few are. Some people with with luck and some people in certain companies where they're offered stock options and and, you know, things that most of the workforce is not um, those people might rarely make millions of dollars in their retirement account. But that's very rare. There's limitations on how much you can put in. Most people's overall rate of return over a working lifetime, considering the ups and downs, then you consider the blended return based on stocks, active investments within companies and their and that equity uh, against bonds uh, as a ratio, 70-30, 60-40, whatever it is. Most people are not probably going to exceed 8% as an average. Uh, compounded. Now, I'm not diminishing the significance of that. That's that's great. Some some of you may do a little better than that. Some of you may do a little worse. And that's all great because it beats the heck out of putting your money in a CD or in a bank account where you're getting one or two or three percent. So I'm not going to dispute that. But for most people, that's not going to make them rich. So when you consider how you're doing financially, don't use the equity in your home. See, that's another thing. Pay off your house, pay off your house, pay off your house. It's the best investment the average guy can make. As as compared with what? Spending the money? Okay, how can I disagree with that? But, and, 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 and that is what most people will do, by the way. So it is hard to argue with because if they don't do that, they're certainly not going to put more money in, in there in the, in the stock market. Um, and their safe, secure is always going to be able, be to pay off their house. That's why I say, you know, poor people, average people save and rich people invest because people who don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of means. And even if they do make a really good income, when they have more money than it takes them to live, they either one, pay down debt to buy things that do not appreciate or create income. And those, that's what I call crap. They're decreasing, decreasing value assets most of the time, or they simply stick the money in the bank and draw off of it. That's, that's what most people are going to do. When you invest, you're putting it into something that has leverage and makes you a lot of money, but you can sleep at night and it's good. So your whole goal is to have enough money to do to, and, and have that to do something with, and you can't spend it on improving your lifestyle. So what are you going to put it in? Well, for a lot of people who invest in real estate, they might make good money. They might be business owners, and business owners are inevitably drawn to having control. 
Uh, I'm a control freak. I've said many times, and most of the business owners out there are too. And they're not going to put their money in, in a retirement account. They might have a hundred employees who are all doing that, and they might offer a match to all of their employees. But remember, I see the, the owner's finances. Those are the people I work with. And I know that most of them don't even contribute to their own retirement plans that they created within their own companies. I'm telling you that's true. Their employees do, but they don't because they don't like it. They want to have control. And real estate is an investment that does give you a level of control that most other investments do not. And for that reason alone, not even respective of whether they make more or less as a return on investment than they might get in paper assets. They'll invest in real estate because they crave that control and they understand it. And that is the, the, the ethos, uh, of a, of a business owner. It's, it's who they are. It's what they are. It's how they operate. So if you're one of those people, you might, as compared with any other type of class of investing, real estate might be the thing. If you were going to do anything other than reinvest in your business, which by the way, might not be the best leverage for your money. But if you were going to do anything other than that, it might very well be real estate simply for the reasons I've just given. So if if someone wanted to do that, and whether they're an employee and or whether the, and they're thrifty and they're just trying to save a few bucks to do it, or whether they are uh, someone who, who does uh, go out and figure out how to earn more than it costs them to live through a through a side business in addition to their to their current income or being really thrifty and managing their money flawlessly even though they have a day job and they are able to save some money or they have a business that provides them with a reasonable lifestyle and they have money left over to do something with you got to have that no matter what that's very important so when you are that, What's the best way to endeavor into real estate investing? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the evolution of an investor and how you might go from the basic level into more advanced levels. We're going to talk about how that, and, and certainly my experience with uh, myself and other people doing that thing. So most folks who begin, who own properties, even if it's only one or two residential, you know, homes that they rent out. Most people who do that start off in one of two ways. And I'm certain there's more than this, but this is most are going to fall into this category. And it is that they either do one, flip a property. So flip a property, we'll define that in a moment. Or they buy a home that they live in and they move out of that home and then that becomes an investment property where they take bring in tenants and rent it out rather than selling it. Those are the two ways. So flipping is not earned income. Flipping is going in and it is not real estate investing. Let's or Forgive me, it's not earned income. It is earned income, sorry. It's not investing, it's earned income. and But that doesn't make it bad. At all. It's just a different thing. And so when I flip a property, generally the premise behind it is I'm going to buy it. It may have opportunities, things that I can do to it, make it better. Maybe it's got deferred maintenance. Maybe it needs to have a larger kitchen. Maybe it needs to have another bathroom and bed. Whatever it is, 
I'm going to do those things. I'm going to remodel the kitchen. I'm going to paint it. I'm going to put in new flooring. I'm going to, you know, improve the curb appeal. And for the money I spend to do that, I'm going to make significantly more when I sell it in a matter of a few months or a year or whatever the case may be. And you notice I said a year because for a lot of folks who do flipping, they'll tell you they're real estate investors because they do hold the property, but they only hold the property for a couple of years because <laughs> they're impatient and they have to move things around and it's what they do. And okay, fair enough. Um, but that's what flipping is. Flipping is taking a property in its current form, improving it and selling it for, for more money. Uh, on top of what they paid. So maybe they paid $250,000 for it. They put $50,000 into it. Uh, now they've got 300000 into it and they sell it for 350000 Hey man, they got their 50000 they invested into it and they got $50,000 on top of it. So they earned $50,000 when they did that by remodeling, improving and flipping that property. That's flipping. Uh, buying your first home might be that the first home that you purchase, you're able to get into relatively inexpensively. And there, there is actually a point that I don't want to miss here. And that is that it's possible to get into either one of these things without a lot of your own money if you have, have the right contacts or if you do the right things. So the one I just mentioned about flipping, there are banks, rare as they, are, as they may be, who might if they like the numbers, be willing to give you uh, a loan um, for the improvements on top of that property. Um, so, you know, I, 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 you know, I buy it for 250, but the bank will, will give me a loan for, for that, that is considerate of not just the current price, but also with a, with a, uh, a pro forma uh, showing that, or not a pro forma, but just simply showing what I'm going to put into the house, what the costs are, and what the in- inevitable appraised value will be thereafter. And they'll do that <clears throat> rather than you coming up with that entire amount of money, finance, buying the house at 250 and having to put 20% down on that and then having to put another $50,000 of your own money, you might be able to get the bank to come in on that with you and there go, thereby it takes you less of your own money <clears throat> to do it. And as I've already made the point, to do anything, you have to have money. You have to have some money, whether it's yours or somebody else's, you talk them into it. You got to have money. <clears throat> so there's that. Then there is buying a, a home as though it, it is your own first home or it is your home at all. <clears throat> well, when you buy your first home, you can get loans that where the down payment is as little as three and a half percent. That's not a lot of money. And if you think that's a lot of money, that's not a lot of money. So in that case where you have to put three and a half percent down, well, for every hundred thousand dollars, that's, that's $3,500 of your own money to be able to buy a hundred thousand dollars of, of home. It's not a lot of money. That's that, allows a lot more people into that game. But when you buy that house, you're going to live in it. And I like to say with with real estate investing, if the numbers don't work with 20% down, not respective as to whether the bank requires more or less than that down for a buy and hold investment property, buy and hold, long-term, not going to sell it, not going to flip it, not going to, when the value goes up, 
I'm not immediately saying I can make so much more money. See, that's what real estate agents do because their whole world revolves around buying and selling. And they have a hard time not thinking that way. That's why when they tell you they're real estate investors, oftentimes they're flippers. And even if they don't simply improve the property and sell it, you know, three, four months later, they do sell it two, three, four years later because that's just what they do. I'm talking about when I buy an investment property, I never sell it. And the only reason that I ever sell it is because either one, I've run out of depreciation if it's residential over a period of 27.5 years, or I can do so much better in the way of leverage and return on investment with my money somewhere else, maybe going from single family homes into multi, multi units, something like that. Other than that, I don't sell it. So when I buy my first home, and I live in it, well, maybe I only put three to 5% down on it. But now that I've been in that property for two to five years, the value of real estate, let's say, has gone up. You can't always depend upon that. Some years it does, some years it doesn't, some years it does it extremely well, and some years it doesn't do so much. But over time, if the value goes up, well, then now I do have 20% equity in that home, And I didn't have to use my own money because if I had needed 20% to begin with, I wouldn't have had that much money. So here I'm able to buy my first home. And if you're really smart, that first home that you purchase, you purchase it with a mind to doing this right from the very beginning. You're already thinking about this. And so you buy that property, you live in it. And by the time two to five years have gone by, it does have 20% equity in it. And, And I should real quick, go back and say whether the bank wants 25% or 30% or whatever, it's not the point. I want to know that the numbers work with 20% down. If you say my house that I'm living in, I'm going to move out of it and I'm going to rent it and it's a good rental property. And I say, no, it's not. And you say, what are you talking about? I bought it 10 years ago. I paid my mortgage down. It's now worth $300,000 and I only owe $120,000 and it's a really good rental property. No, no. I'll look at it at today's value. I'll, I'll subtract out 20%. I'll support the loan and, and its financing at 80%. I'll look at the expenses against the market rent. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. If it takes 50% equity in a property to make the numbers work, then the property never worked and the numbers never worked. See, that's what's lost on people. So... I'm looking for properties to do that and I can accumulate that without having to come up with the money up front. That's a perfect strategy for somebody who doesn't have a lot of money. Let's take our first break. We'll be right back talking about the evolution of a real estate investor. Are you missing anything in your plan? Find out with JLN Financial's Retirement Checklist. If you can check all the boxes on the list, you may be ready for retirement. If not, J. Allen Financial can help. Get this checklist now at rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. That's rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. J. Allen Financial offers insurance services. Investing involves risk. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, AEWM, and J. Allen Financial are not affiliated companies. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fix 
fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the WOW experience. If you or anyone you know are in a financially challenged situation, listen. My name is Todd Rooker. For over 20 years, I've been helping people strategically plan for and deal with a financial crisis. My typical client may have previously had a substantial net worth and are now in fear of losing their personal home. My clients will often say, in the past, I was financially successful. However, at this point, I'm exhausting all of my financial resources trying to make my payments on time. I feel as though I'm simply delaying the inevitable by throwing good money after bad. So my questions are, Todd, do I just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, Dean and Lou, loan modification, credit counseling, or even bankruptcy? And then most importantly, how do I minimize the damage and rebuild my life when this disaster is over? This is my world, and I teach classes on those very topics. So if you or anyone you know is in this situation, or you want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-559. 3800. Hey, are you considering something exceptional to set your home apart and highlight its curb appeal? How about the rich look of custom copper gutters? Copper gutters are not only beautiful, they also offer timeless durability. William Foss with Gutter Solutions installed my beautiful copper gutters. I get compliments every day. If you're looking for extraordinary craftsmanship and would like to consider something truly special, call him at 612-834-0664 or go to their website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Ask for Billy. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. The evolution of a real estate investor purchasing hard assets. Love it. Can touch them. Control. Love it. So, we've just come, come from talking about how people typically, most frequently, enter into this, this world. And as I described putting very little money down because it's the home that you live in. That is to say it's owner occupied and most financing, not all conventional loans may or may not do this FHA financing. You can after two years, uh, no longer can they invoke the due on sale clause and you can put a renter in that property and you purchased it when you, when you bought it as an owner occupied property, know that that requires less money down and typically has an interest rate that is, almost always uh, three quarters of a point to a full percentage point, even a 1.25 percentage point lower than it is as an investment property. So, you know, let's say that the going mortgage interest rate for somebody with a 750 credit score or higher is 7%. When you go to buy an investment property, generally you're going to be looking at 8%. And that, of course, is assuming it's the same loan, uh, you know, and uh, it won't be. Because in an owner-occupied property, you're going to have a 30-year, more likely, most likely a fixed-rate mortgage with a good interest rate. Well, when you buy an investment property, you're not probably going to have a 30-year fixed rate. Uh, you're going to have a 25-year rate. That means the payment is amortized as though it's completely extinguished in 25 years. Well, what does that mean? 
It means that for the same amount that you're financing, the payment will be higher with a 25-year amortization than a 30-year amortization. Well, if I'm buying an investment property, that means it's going to make it harder for me to make my numbers work, doesn't it? What if it's a 20-year amortization, which is also very likely with an investment property? Well, now it's even harder, isn't it? So when I buy that property initially as an owner-occupied property, I might get a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, which is fantastic if I'm going to rent it out two to five years from now. In addition to that, I... Also, when I buy an investment property, I'm very likely going to have to put down at least 20%. And in today's environment, most likely 25%. Holy crap, that's a whole different number than 5% or 3.5%, isn't it? So it makes it really tough. So when you when you purchase a property to live in, and from the day you buy it, you are assuming that I'm buying it and looking at it as though, will this be a good property for as an investment property? See, the properties that people like <laughs> that are really nice and I don't know, pretty, <laughs> they might have what what I what I like like to call uh, fussy features. Fussy features means they require a lot of maintenance. And while those things from 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 a, uh, a consumer viewpoint, vant- vantage point, are attractive, those things might cost a bloody fortune to maintain in an investment property over time. So I'm looking at a property from the very beginning, not as the dream home that I'm going to live in and, and prove to other people how you're doing financially, but I'm buying it as it might be a lot less appealing, but it will be a lot, a lot less costly when held over time as an investment property with tenants living in it who, frankly, are going to wreck stuff, okay? There's that animosity just by virtue of the fact that they don't own it. They don't take care of it and they wreck it. I call my tenants the animals affectionately, affectionately. So when I buy that property, even though I'm going to live in it for two to five years, right from the very beginning, I'm assuming that this is going to be a property that I'm going to rent out. And I do the numbers as though I'm putting 20% down. And I consider those numbers as though it were an investment property straight up right from the very beginning with market rents currently. That's how I look at the property I'm going to buy and live in as my first property. And that's how I'm going to look at the fixtures. And that's how I'm going to vet it financially. Now, let's be fair. Most people who buy their first home don't vet it financially at all. They just want to live in this area, in this neighborhood, in this type of house. So it's a completely, completely different thing. Now, after two years, I'm able to put a tenant in there and the bank will not call the note due because they can in some instances. If you put, if it's no longer owner occupied and you bought it as such, they can call the note due, meaning they're going to say, give us our money. We're not going to hold this loan any longer. So if you do it right, then this is a great opportunity for you. And, you know, I know people who've done this three and four times and every time they move into one house, they move out three, four two, three, four, five years later, and they do it again and again and again. And by the time they've gotten to their fifth house, they own that house uh, free and clear With if you consider all the equity that they have in all the other properties. And sometimes they move up, move up, move up, and they do it that way too. But that's not the same thing. That's investing. That's just wanting to own your home with no mortgage. And I know that's such a dream for most of you. That is so irrelevant to me. So utterly irrelevant. But whatever. So these are the two ways that people typically get into it. Now, 
when you when you are an investor and you go beyond this and you're and you're going to build a portfolio of real estate there is an evolution that one might go through now for most they're not going to do this they're going to stop at one or two of these and that's going to be as far as they go and compared to everybody else they're a big time investor but to the folks who take it to the nth degree they're not and so let's just quickly run through these and then I'm going to give you more detailed definitions and what are the, what are the challenges and what are the ways that you can overcome some of that along the way so number one, the first one is you purchase the property yourself. <clears throat> that means that you are the finder and you are the investor. You're doing both. So as a definition of a finder, a finder is the person who finds the property, knows how to look for it based on numbers, market rents, cost of carrying, operational costs, nets, a profit margin in the way of cash flow, and it's, it's going to make money. So they find that property. In addition to that, <clears throat> that that property is uh, not only going to cash flow, it's going to go up in value, and they are going to know how to improve it. So whenever somebody says, I found a property, Todd, well, look, if you're 75 years old and all you're trying to do is buy an income stream so you can replace your income stream from your job, then buying a property like that is very different because now you're in the accumulate you're, you're in the uh, uh, drawdown income stage of your life. <clears throat> but for most people, they're in the accumulation stage of net worth and their goal of passive income. You shouldn't have a goal of passive income when you are when you are young. Your goal should be to build asset value, and they are two distinctly different things. Anybody who's 40 years old or younger and tells me they want to buy real estate because they want to build passive income, I'm scratching my head trying to figure out if they know what the heck they're talking about. Maybe they got a different strategy, and I'm just not aware of it, but most likely that's what I think. So what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to find the property and look at it as though I were buying it and doing nothing with it because the numbers work. But then I've got a strategy of improvement where I'm going to do things to it, put a wall up and make another bedroom and another bath and turn a two bedroom, one bath into a three bedroom, two bath. And by doing that, I can get way more rent and the numbers work even better as a formula based on how much total I have put in versus how much I'm totally getting out of it. I have that strategy as a finder. And then in addition to that as a finder, I'm going to be the one who either manages it with my own management company or I'm overseeing the management of another management company who will handle it, but I oversee that. That's a finder. An investor is the money person. And in the first go round, you might be that money person. That's, that's who you are. Number two, uh, number two is you're, you're, you're going to be just the investor or you're going to be just the finder or a combination of the two. Number three, you're going to do a partnership with somebody else and maybe multiple people. We'll talk about that. Number four, you're going to go into syndication where you're going to be dealing with accredited investors. It's getting much more sophisticated now. And the last one might be that you're a fund manager of a real estate investment trust. And every time you go one step farther, there's more zeros attached to each one of them. Let's take another break and we're going to come back and talk about each one of them and how you might scale the mountain getting to the ultimate. We'll be right back. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. 
Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. Does your sump pump run constantly? Do you want to ensure that you never have a damp, musty-smelling basement? These issues are caused by water coming off your roof, draining into your basement. Gutters can resolve these problems. William Foss is the owner of Seamless Solutions. He is honest and trustworthy. He is simply the best. If you need gutters or leaf covers, he is the guy to call. You can call him at 612-834-0664 or go to his website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412, Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer-for-life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at aholawoffice.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. So much I can talk about here that 
you know, I breeze over and could take infinitely more. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind is the idea that flipping, so many people who are involved in flipping own construction businesses, and all flipping really is is a way to uh, to keep their people busy during maybe the, the off-peak time of the year, and, and frankly, they make less money doing the flipping than they make in, in their regular endeavors when, when, when they're in the better season or cyclicality uh, of their of their construction business. We live in a cold climate, so that's certainly the way. Um, but they're really not, you know, they're really not involved in real estate because they're involved in real estate. It's just another way to, to do that. Maybe they kind of venture into it. That's another way that sometimes people start dipping their toe into it. Um, but, you know, I, I talked about you know, you doing, number one is you purchasing the property, that is you're the finder and the investor. And I described that quite a bit. Uh, but the challenge is that you invariably run out of your own money because the limitations to growing a real estate portfolio, now I'm not talking about buying one or two investment properties, I'm talking about 20, you know, and that's a, 20 is a good start. 20 doors, doors could be a 20 unit apartment building, could be 20 single family homes, could be 10 duplexes, whatever, 20 doors. 20 doors is a reasonable uh, goal initially. Maybe five is a, is a goal initially. But um, if, if your challenge in doing that is that you run out of money because you need down payment money. And once you've exercised or maxed out the ability to do properties with less money down as though you're buying them to live in as owner-occupied properties with better financing terms. Once you've exhausted that potential, now you are going to be buying properties through uh, a bank who does that type of financing. And most often you're looking at small uh, community banks and credit unions where you're going to be getting your financing as a real estate investor. And then you need to demonstrate to them that you know what you're doing um, because there's, there's, two issues that slow you down. One is your ability to qualify for the loan. And number two is the down payment money, which will be 20 to 25% per property. Well, you know, I don't care if you've got a million dollars, you got $50,000, you run out of money. And most likely you're not to your goals. Now, you know, imagine that if I, whatever my, my, my bankroll is, my nest egg that I'm going to use to do this with, if I need 25% down, that means that whatever I've got in my, in, in, in that, in that account to do that with, I can essentially purchase four times that much in real estate. So if I've got a hundred grand to work with, it means I can buy $400,000 worth of real estate. And that's great, but I got a, I got news for you. That's not a lot. So you do this and then you run out of money. And even if you have 800 credit scores, that has no bearing on it. You don't have the down payment money or you don't have the income capacity to show that if there's not a tenant in that property, you can afford to make the payment. So the two limitations are your capacity to qualify and your down payment money. So what typically happens is you start out as, as, as the number one individual finder and investor, and you run the gamut of what you have in terms of resources to work with, and then you want to go farther, and now you venture into the next range, which is, you need a partner who's got more down payment money and maybe also can assist you in the capacity to qualify for the financing because they haven't exhausted their capacity to finance and they do have more money down. And uh, is that person going to be also one, a finder and an investor? Because if they're going to be both, then they don't need you. 
But if they say, I'm never going to do that. I'm real estate. I, I, I don't know anything about construction. I don't want to know anything about construction. I love the whole concept of real estate and being able to touch the physical asset and have the control. But I'm not going to be that person who goes in and remodels it and improves it and goes out in my time and, and spends, you know, every hour other than my 40 hour a week job looking for properties. I'm just never going to be that person. So that person who's the investor is the person who who might be attracted to you who has a track record because you've exhausted your own resources. And in the process of doing it three, four, five, ten times, you've now proven that you know what you're doing, not only to the bank, but now you've got a track record to show an investor. And remember that the returns that we're looking for on an investment property as cons- when considering all of the potential incomes that one might receive in a, in a property. One is going to be the cash flow. That, frankly, is the least important one, other than the fact that when I buy it, I never want to be using my earned income, pulling money out of my own earned income to support and subsidize a burn rate or shortfall each month. So the, that is my primary concern. When I put my whatever amount down, I don't want to do any more, period. Now, that that's not a guarantee. Sometimes you do have to pull some of your own money out, things that are utterly unexpected, and you should prepare for that. But the, the goal is you won't do that. So you need the cash flow to be enough that if something comes up, that cash flow has been accumulating in that account, and you can use that account like the LLC that holds the property to pay for whatever went wrong, you know, a major sewer pipe or, or the furnace goes out or something like that. All right, so... So that's great. That's your cash flow. Second way that you make money is the property increasing in value, appreciation. Now, you can't depend upon that, and you don't get that money on a monthly basis. You only get that money in the form of a paper asset because it's going up in value, but your loan balance is not most likely. And so that means that you're generating a return on investment based on what you paid or what your carrying costs are in your down payment. So that's great. So that's another way that you're getting paid. That's factored in and calculated in. So if it's 4% on a $100,000 property, you're making another $4,000 that just the first year uh, because of the value going up by 4% on a $100,000 property. Obviously, it was 200, it double, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. Then there's balance pay down. Because each month that the tenant is paying for everything, everything, on top of that, you have the loan balance being paid down, which is increasing your equity. So the property is going up and the balance is going down. All of those things represent return on your overall investment, which may only be 10, 20, 25% down. So when you consider what you put down against what you get, that's what determines what your return on investment is overall. Well, we look at properties with all of those things considered. We're not talking about the value of depreciation and the improved money that you make because you don't pay taxes on on some of it or a lot of it. That's even better yet. But without even considering that, we're typically looking at properties that are at a minimum have a 25% overall return, and oftentimes it exceeds 30%. Now, for somebody who invests in paper investments, that number is so large, so high, so absurd that it can't be possible. And I'm here to tell you, it is, 
And it's not pie in the sky. And while to all of the folks who don't do it, they consider that insane, too good to be true. If it were, everybody would be doing it. And it sounds like risk to me. For all the people who say that, I just say, great, stay at home because you make it easier for those of us who understand it because we do make that kind of money. And when I invest in the property, my own money, and I find the property and do all the things associated with that, that means I make that entire amount. When I am splitting that 50-50 with an investor, you are diluting that return by 50%. However, remember something, the investor is putting all the money in, but they're not finding it, they're not improving it, and they're not managing it because they don't want to do that. They got a day job, they make good money, they've got the money, but they, because of your track record, they're willing to do that with you, but they are not going to do those things. Well, now 50% of that return is half of that. Well, if it's half of 25%, wow, that's still 125 And if it's half of 30%, that's 15%. And in most likelihood, that blows the doors off of what their return is in their paper investment portfolio. And what's a good investment? I don't know. What would you do instead? So the bar is set by what someone else would do instead. And if they're... Average annualized rate of return is 8%. Well, then 9% is fabulous. 10% is extraordinary. And 12 and 15% is reaching into the stratosphere. Now, for you as a real estate investor, you might not see it that way because your bar is set differently, right? And remember that if you say, well, Todd, you're the guy who always says partnerships are terrible and you hate partnerships. That's true. But what if you don't do anything because you can't do anything without a partner? Well, then let's go back to partnership. The last thing I'll leave you with is this. If the investor is getting a 15% return based on the amount of money that they put into it, and you're getting 15% return based on the amount of money you're putting into it, their return is 15%. But in fact, yours isn't 15%. It's infinite because you don't have any of your own money in it. It's like printing money. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Social Security, you've spent your entire working life paying into it, so don't you want to get the most out of it? Jim Baer and his team at JLN Financial can show you ways to do that with their free Social Security report. Download your copy today at rhythmofretirement.com slash social security. That's rhythmofretirement.com slash social security. JL and Financial offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, AEWM, and JL and Financial are not affiliated companies. JL and Financial is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or governmental agency. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. 
Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? Their attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years experience in this highly specialized field and it is my job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly and most importantly help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think but don't waste time. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download financial crisis bible or call us at 763-559-3800 that number again 763-559-3800 you're listening to cover your assets with todd rooker welcome back welcome back so so uh, i i should i should also say that you know i'm kind of commingling the two um because when I say a partner, um, it might be just one. And if you are evolving to this next level, it's it's critical that you understand you don't find your you don't go and find yourself an investor. And the, that term investor is misused and it's inaccurate because the minute you start using the term investor or start soliciting so-called investors, you are delving into the world of securities. And that is a highly regulated industry. And you are not soliciting investors. You are soliciting partners. And they are completely different things. Which means if you do a real estate investment seminar and you do not have, at the very least, a, a an accredited investor who you're working with, you haven't registered your so-called investment with the, with the securities division of the state of Minnesota or whatever state, and or the SEC or SIPC, um, then you are doing something that is flat out illegal. You have no idea how many real estate agents will do seminars at hotels and all over the hotel there will be signs that say real estate investing and they are not approved. They have not cleared their investment with the securities department in the state that they're operating in. They have no business calling it an investment and in fact, it's a criminal issue. So just be real conscious of that. So you're not soliciting investors, you're soliciting real estate partners. That's what you're soliciting. And so you can take that partnership a long way. But remember that for anyone who might be willing to become a partner with you, their primary concern is obvious that they're going to lose their money and or they don't have any control and they can't get their money back. So you better have a track record and you better know how to write an operating agreement or have a great real estate attorney who can write an operating agreement because chances are that person who's going to partner up with you is going to hand it to their real estate or to their real estate attorney who's going to look at your operating agreement, maybe even a syndicated syndication agreement. And they're going to look at that and they're going to change everything because they're not going to like your terms. And when you do find a property, you don't go into it with the partner. 
You want to find the property, get it under contract so that you have control. And if this partner doesn't like your deal, you can go and find other partners because it is your deal as opposed to their deal from day one. It's very important. Every one of these things, people think they can listen to me on the radio for five minutes or 20 minutes and figure out everything they need to know and go forward. There is a lot of minutia involved in all of this. But that's a great way to get to the next level with partnership. And if you do develop a track record, and if you do have the, the, the correct documentation, and if you do have people who are willing to go into partnership with you, and you do have banks that believe in your, your capacity or ability to find the properties, wow, you can go far. And you have to have a strategy. Yes, I say a strategy to develop relationships with multiple banks to be able to get financing who those banks are in that business. Every bank was, oh, yeah, we'll give you a loan. Yeah, that's because you're cross-collateralizing every freaking thing that I owe. And if I stop paying, you'll get four times the amount in collateral that I owe you. Yeah, yeah. You got to be smart. You got to understand how this works. And you have to have multiple banks. You have to have banks who are really interested in that particular line of business that you're in. And then you have to be able to pit the banks against one another to get the best rates that exist. So there's a lot to all of this. But a partnership can go a long ways. And that partnership could be beyond simply one or two people. Uh, you know, we, in my, in my earlier days, we did. PPMs, private placement memorandums with 504s and 506 offering. A 506 offering is probably one of the best uh, ways to go about doing this in that you can have 35 non-accredited investors and you can build a partnership with 35 people before you even get into accreditation where you need people of substantially greater means who are who are willing or can uh, possibly invest in those things. And that does become a very different issue. Now, even with the 506, you need to have that approved with the securities uh, division of your state. Nevertheless, once you've gotten that approved, you can take that quite a ways. And maybe you never want to go any farther than that. And that is very likely because I know people who buy, you know, multiple, you know, properties that have, you know, 200 and 500 units through partnerships like this, or they buy great big, you know, 100,000 square foot commercial properties and more through partnerships such as those. Many times those partners have evolved and been developed along the way where those partners started out here and now they're multimillionaires through that process. And it goes without saying that when I described how the finder and the investor hook up, that it is a win-win for both of them. It is an absolute win-win for both of them because the investor, while they may not make as much as if they were finding and investing in the property, it is still a tremendous return when considering the compounding as compared with the alternative of what they might do instead. And so, hey, it's a great opportunity for everybody. And from the very beginning, you have to be able to find those people. Now, once you get into the next level, the next level where you are a registered security, where you are doing syndication and getting 200 people who are going to invest, you know, a hundred, 200, $500,000. And that becomes the down payment of the property. That's, you know, 50 million or a hundred million dollars. Well, now that's an entirely different game. And now you are soliciting those 
accredited investors. And those accredited investors and their makeup are typically the people that I describe as the 401k speakers. And everybody in town who does accreditation is ongoingly with their dog and pony show soliciting the 401k speakers. Why? Because they can give them a return that's better than what they can get doing what they're doing, yet it still gives them plenty of juice to be able to main profit margin to make a lot of money as the folks who are the finders and put the deals together. So that's what a syndicated investment is. Now, the interesting thing about that is when I am soliciting an investor under those terms, I am not allowed to call somebody or go meet with somebody and solicit them. They have to find me through other means. And only then, you know, in other words, through the, through the, uh, you know, through the minutia, they just talk to somebody who knows somebody who knows something who tells them about what we have as an investment and then they come to us. But if we actively solicit them and it goes wrong, they can sue us. So we, they have to find us through the, through the, you know, osmosis. And now we can tell them about that investment. Well, that is an entirely different world that most people are not prepared for, obviously. If you never go any farther than the, than the multi-person partnership, you can make millions. <laughs> if you want to go further, come see me. I'll teach you more. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. This has been a paid program. The views expressed were not necessarily those of the management or ownership of KSTPAM 1500 ESPN.